Welcome everyone to episode 32 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. The soccer public of the Illawarra should be proud of the women and men who have helped develop our game here. I hope these interviews give a little slice of our soccer history in the Illawarra across different eras and roles. This episode's interviewee has worn different hats over the years as a supporter, ball boy, player, coach, volunteer, referee, parent and mentor. Gary Masters began his involvement with the sport through his parents' committee work at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club. Gus, as he is known by most, was a ball boy first and then started playing in the under-10s at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club. During this period, he concurrently played in the Illawarra Junior representative teams, which additionally earned him state representation and a tour of New Zealand. At a very early age, he played first grade for Fernhill Soccer Club and then went on to South Coast United, playing in different grades and coaching after a serious injury, Tarawana, and represented Illawarra in the senior ranks. As you will hear, he then went on to player coaching, coaching and refereeing roles across different clubs and levels. The passion and zest for soccer and life is ever-present in Gus Masters. I have met him numerous times over the years, and he is a bloke who gains people's trust through dedication, integrity, empathy, and the ability to communicate directly and sincerely all in one. As with all the interviews, Gus was wonderful to sit down with, and due to his longevity in the game, the podcast will be split into two parts. Publicly, I thank Gus for his time and generosity with his archive, and I truly hope you enjoy both parts to this interview. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the uh, lush surrounds of Baugani and I'm here with my special guest, Gary Gus Masters. Gussie, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks very much, Trager. Um, first, before we uh, get into your football journey, um, uh, the nickname Gus, um, where did it originate? Because I guess up until probably... You know, uh, several years ago, and I've known you for a, for a couple of decades. I didn't realise your name was Gary, and and it, I, I just kept calling you Gus or Mister Masters initially. Um, I was given Gus as a nickname by a friend across the road in Dalton Street, Taraji. He was yep. he was much older. Um, he left to uh, the, to go into the army, mm-hmm. um, and he just uh, gave me a nickname, Gus, and it sort of just basically stuck and. There's more people know me as Gus Masters than Gary Masters. My my mother calls me Gary. Uh, my father, you know, called me Gary. Uh, but generally, um, you know, most of the people that are friends, you know, call me Gus, and it's sort of stuck with me for a long, long time. <laughs> well, I thought I'd get that out of the way because, um, you know, most people know me as Tracker, or uh, and it's my mum and my wife that call me Travis, um, or or work colleagues. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd get that out of the way once we start exchanging um, salutations that people will be aware of why, it, why, it, why it's that way. So in terms of, um, you know, before we get into that football journey as well, um, uh, 
the Masters name. Can you tell the listeners um, your relationship to James Judy Masters? Yeah, um, Judy Masters, as I've always known. Yep. Um, you know, him uh, is, is my father's uncle. Okay. Uh, he was my, uh, my grandfather or my pop's uh, younger yep. brother. Yep. Uh, and yes, it's, it's you know, we, we've grown up with, um, you know, with a very famous person, you know, person and, um, you know, certainly, you know, the Masters family um, was one of, you know, a number of families in Balgownie. Yep. Uh, I think there was 11 in my pop's family. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's definitely a, a bloodline there, that's for sure. So... What is uh, your earliest memories of, of football? Uh, I, I spent a lot of time with, with um, you know, following my father, yep. uh, being involved, you know, with uh, teams that, that he coached or managed. Um, my, my uncle Albert Beaumont uh, was associated yep. with Balgownie, uh, so I used to come over to you know, the Judy Masters Oval and, yep. and watch the, the Balgowney, um, you know, sort of state league team, you know, of a Sunday, you know. Um, I remember that vividly with the little, the little shed that was on the western side that it's called the grandstand, <laughs> um, you know, the, fordable, the portable, you know, fencing that was on the northern side, yep. you know, was, was installed. We used to always go to the northern goal, Yep. Yeah, my uncle, as I said, was on the committee here for a long, long time, and and tried very, very hard to get me to play for Valgani, but I've, I've absolutely haven't played one game. <laughs> uh, but also, too, I, I, you know, as a soccer soccer family, um, Sundays it was either watching Valgani play yep. here or going out to Balls Paddock and watching South Coast United play. You know, with mum and dad, and yep. you know, the rest of my brothers. So, um, apart from sort of being a spectator at a young age, um, you, you were involved at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club. So, um, we're talking the late 50s here that you started going down to Pop Arrington in Reedtown there and, and, and being involved in the game. So, can you talk about your, your days at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club? Yeah, soccer in those days uh, for junior soccer started out in the 10th, was the, the youngest age group. and. And my dad was always heavily involved in coaching, uh, and and I would always be there. I remember vividly as a, as probably a five or a six year old, um, you know, following dad's team around, you know, um, and and some of the the players I actually played with later at Fernhill, you know, in the senior side, and and my younger brother um, David and myself. Yep. Yeah, we were made some shirts by my, by my nana. Um, yep. You know, that were the same Fernhill colours. We were the mascots or ball boys, and I was lucky enough, as I think I was probably about six year old, to to get a run for Dad's team when they were short. You know, <laughs> a few times I was always itching to get on the paddock, but you know, six to ten year olds is a fair difference. It's a big gap. Yeah. And in terms of uh, um, for people that aren't aware, um, what were Fernhill's junior colours at that point in time or in that era? Uh, they were red with a big white V yep. uh, and the red socks with the white tops and you always had to have black boots and black la- uh, white laces. Yeah. And, and white shorts as well? Oh, exactly, yep. yes. Yeah. And so um, in terms of, um, you know, the ground, you know, for a while there you were at Pop Arrington but then 
um, because of, I'm not too sure what reason, but you then move to guest parking, Ferry Meadow, um, before the, the further transition of, of, of uh, both clubs to, to Rogie Park or Ray Robinson. I think uh, one of the reasons that, that um, the club moved, the junior club, the senior yep. club continued to play yep. at Pop Errington was as the junior club grew, yep. uh, there was just not enough afternoons and too many teams to train. Yep. Uh, and, and I think the, the junior committee looked at with the council of moving to to Guest Park where there was two grounds yep. right, right behind the bowling club on the yep. western side. Um, bit of a slope, but uh, you know they were developed, and a canteen was put there. And 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 uh, when gala day was on at the end of the year, there was more fields on the northern side of the, you know the uh, the oval, um, yep. you know installed just for gala day. And in <clears> terms of that that move to Ray Robinson, that happened around 1967, didn't it? Yeah, well that was all called Taraji Park, you know, yep. uh, in in their first yep. days and. Uh, and I, and I think you're probably right, you know, tracker on on what the timing was. I can't remember exactly, yeah, but around yeah, the date, yeah. And um, I remember that people like Bill Boyce that used to um, have trucks uh, would get coal wash from the Coalcliffe Washery, yep. and he would come home with a load of trucks and start dumping the coal wash around the ground to build the the main playing area up where it is now today yeah so in terms of your parents um if if you can can you please name them and then some of the other families that were involved at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club at, at that period yeah my, my father was Vince Masters yep. uh, and my mum was Barbara Masters they uh, were both heavily involved you know with Fernhill Juniors um you know as I say right from the time that I was probably five yep. um they had a long long term they they became life members mum in those days uh, the canteens and a lot of the fundraising was run by the the women yep. uh, mum would organize that I, I know that she was secretary and treasurer in a combined function for many many years you know have the canteens you know with probably half a dozen ladies, you know, where nowadays it's it's hard to get any person. Yeah. Uh, but Dad, you know, uh, has been, the, I think, all, all the different functions of the committee, the president, the juniors, the secretary and the treasurer as well. So they, they were heavily involved for, right the way through, you know, uh, myself and my two younger brothers' uh, days with Fernil Juniors. And in terms of those other other families, you spoke of Mr Boyce before, but there was the Code family and, and the Ritchie family, so they were heavily involved as well. Yeah, the, the um, Fernhill Junior Soccer Club was a real family orientated. Uh, if, if the father was involved, the wife was involved, yep. and or the mother, and uh, probably yeah. No TV, so they had two or three, <laughs> two or three or four kids, you know, that were heavily involved. So you know, they, um, yeah, it was just a, a great atmosphere to to be involved in. And and once you started sort of playing around that sort of age of eight or nine, um, you were you were playing for Fernhill, but you also uh, uh, made the the representative team for Illawarra. So can you talk a bit about um, that experience? Yeah, when I uh, when I first started playing uh, soccer, uh, under tens was the start, but yep. later on it became under eights, yep. you know, in the rep teams. Uh, you would 
you know, the, the, the people that were invited to go and trial for the rep team uh, would have to go through a set of trials to, you know, to gain selection. Um, and then we, we would travel through what they used to call the state championship. Okay. You used to have uh, the country championship, which yep. we played in first, yep. and then the winner of the country championship played the, the best team in, in, in around the Sydney area, Sydney for, area for the state championship. And we had some fabulous times, you know, travelling, you know, to Dubbo, Orange, you know, to Albury, you know, with the bus, you know, a number of busloads of, um, you know, junior rep teams, you know, had, had great memories uh, as a young person coming through, right through to under-14s. And, and in terms of um, some of the uh, fellow players that you might have played with in those Illawarra representative teams, can you remember some of the names? Um, yeah, now you are. Oh, Trevor Bradford, you know, yep. was, was the person. Russell Hickson, yep. you know, Jimmy Stewart from Berkeley. Berkeley was always a very, very strong club with its uh, English imports, yep. with the hostel at Berkeley. They used to have a Berkeley hostel team and also a Berkeley East. Yep. So when people moved out of the hostel into other homes, uh, they, they would move to Berkeley East. So they were all very, you know. Gary Winchester was another player that, that stood out for me. Gary actually ended up going on to play rugby league at a fairly high level in the, in the Illawarra oh, okay. region as well. So Obviously a talented man. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, going back to, I guess, your Fernhill Juniors days, um, it's probably not... An, uh, not as known in the last 20 years, but there was a gala day. Can you can you speak of your memories and 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 what you recall of the rough setup of what the gala day entailed? So gala day was almost like the pinnacle of um, the end of the soccer season, and I'll call it soccer because that's yep. how I've always yep. been growing up, and it's hard to change. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so so gala day to me um, was. The preparation was with 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 was with my mum, yep. you know, making sure all our equipment was was spot on. Yep. Um, that means your white laces, your shoes polished, your boots, you know, all your your white parts of your uniform were all nice Spotless. and clean, and and your hair was was done. So the um, on the gala day itself at Judy Masters Oval, it was just a picture of of army tents. On the western side, right yep. down the western side of the, the ground, um, on also down on the western side behind the little uh, famous grandstand <laughs> was was little pickets, little wooden pickets with a number, yep. and that's where your team would line up. So you were actually inspected. Yeah, as soon as the crack of dawn, you'd be there, you'd be in the tent. You know, the managers and the coaches would be walking around making sure everyone's. Spick, spick and span, <laughs> um, and 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 it was the start of a great day, um, yeah. You know, and and you, so the very first part of the inspection was always by the army personnel. Oh, okay. Right. Um, they'd come around. They were they were immaculate, Themselves. and they'd have their little clipboard marking yeah. down. Yeah, and they would start deducting points or making references. So that inspection along with the gala day that was held at, I think, about 3 o'clock, don't quote me on that, <laughs> at the end of the day around the main arena. And I've never seen uh, Judy Masters with so many people, you know, parents and 
you know, friends and uh, relatives around the Oval just watching people march. So I was always fairly short in yeah. most of the teams and especially in the march past and also the inspection that the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper shirt was always worn by one of the smallest people. So I managed in most of the teams, certainly when I was playing up an age group. So if I was 13 and I was playing under 14s as an example, I would be one of the smaller ones. And I would always, or most times, have a goalkeeper shirt that I was having to fold up on the <laughs> on the cuff. So it was just a great day, and the playing, you know, was was also you know really really great. So so between so after the inspection, you would then disperse and go yep. to the ground that was allocated for your particular okay. round robin. Yep. Um, and you would go through that. So guest park was always set up with more. Grounds, I think it normally had about four grounds. Duty Masters probably had anywhere up to five or six, you know, grounds. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you'd come back here for, let's say, a three o'clock march pass. Yep. They would award the trophy, you know, for the best club. Yep. Uh, and then the semi-finals and the finals would be played. Oh, wow. And, you know, it, the same people, the same spectacle... You know, especially with the older age groups playing on the main ground, was quite a treat. So, yeah, it was bigger than grand finals. Yep. You know, as you played through your semi-finals and grand finals, I mean, March, you know, gala day and the march pass and the inspection was just absolutely a pinnacle for a young person, you know, coming through. And I guess the uh, colours of the different teams and and the volume of people just made it stick in your mind it did it was always a hard place to get a parking spot <laughs> i think even on one occasion we walked from guest park up because it was easier you know and that's some distance to walk yeah definitely you know, so. and and in terms of um um the rest of your junior career so when did you then did you think or were told to go well hey you're now growing up a bit. You're not playing too badly. We want you to go into the senior senior club. I think I think a lot of that came. So um, in in my club team coming through, you know, with Fernhill Juniors, yep. I predominantly played as a centre forward. Okay, and uh, I was the main person that would score the goals in our particular team because you know your club side was always a little, certainly a little bit weaker than yep. a representative right. side. But when I played in the rep teams, I was generally picked as a right winger okay. in those days because I did have a bit of... Even though I might have been short, I did have a bit of speed. Um, it went away from me as I got older, <laughs> but certainly as a young person, you know, and even Dookie Burns, the Fernhill you know, senior coach at that time, said, you've got a good turn of speed. You know, make sure you use it. As a 14-year-old, as I went, I was about to go into under-16s yep. with Fernhill. I think as a 14-year-old, I actually you know, scored seven goals in one game against Balgany Hostel, yep. which you know is on the site where now the, the, the campus... Innovation campus yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. and where the, where the actual science centre is, yep. is where their ground used to be. OK. Um, so, you know, they were the you know, same as Berkeley Hostel... Yeah, we had Balgany Hostel, which is sometimes was called Ferry Meadow yeah. Hostel. Um, and I scored seven goals in one particular game. 
Um, so people probably saw me as having the to ability to yeah, know where the goals are. And I think in that particular game, I missed a penalty. <laughs> you know, so seven goals and a missed penalty is not a bad afternoon or morning's work. So um, I, I can't actually remember how me going when well, I well, hadn't turned five. 15, how, because I, I still remember down at Taraji Park, playing in the under-16s on a Sunday morning. Yep. But but then, all of a sudden, I was training with the seniors up at Pop yep. Barrington Park. And I'm not quite sure how those circumstances sort of uh, played out. But but it, it did, and that was the start of my senior career you know, at that so, stage. So we're talking sort of roughly 67, 68? Oh, yeah, I there. think it was probably 67, you know. And, and what did your uh, parents think of... Um, at such a youngish age to be training with the men, what did they think? Well, I don't think mum ever got much of a say <laughs> in regards to me playing soccer. Yep. Um, you know, dad was was my person or the person that directed me. Yep. You know, in what was good and bad. Um, and and my dad played a bit of rugby league. Um, I think I played one season of rugby league at Coromel High School in the very yep. first year as a lock forward in the six sevens or six stone sevens yep. or something like that. Um, but um, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I was ever going to be out of my depth. Yep. And especially playing at Fern Hill, when I started with the seniors, I mean, they just invited me into their training sessions with open arms. And, and you know, people like Peter Sperring, Spooker Sperring, I mean, they just looked after you. Yep. They were much older, um, yeah, you know, I'd known Spooger because he worked at guest cake shops with my sister, so I knew him very well. Yeah, you know? um, so and I used to watch Fernhill play as a young kid as well on so a Saturday you, so afternoon. So you knew the guys, and they knew you. Yeah, so so it was an easy transition, you know, to to be playing reserve grade with them, and then you know through the year I was lucky enough to play some first grade games. I, with some very, very great players. So before we talk about first grade, um, in terms of the reserve grade team, do you recall some of the players and, and the coach that, that you had at that time? Can't remember the coach, but, yep. but certainly people like Ronnie Hughes, one of the yep. Hughes brothers, uh, Peter Sperring, Ian Macon at that stage um, you know, was, was you know, moving towards the end of his career. Yep. Um, Cole Shannon was the goalkeeper, I think. Um, Johnny Walker, you know, um, Lance Brown were some of the guys that I'd played juniors with, you know. So they were coming through. And in terms of yourself, um, were you just uh, had an appetite to just play? So you just took it on board and then just got into reserve grade? I just, I just loved playing. It yep. didn't matter who I played with, you know. I just, I just wanted to play. Yep. I just wanted to kick the ball around. I just wanted to run down the wing. I just wanted to score goals. Yeah, I was just—I I guess really had an appetite just, you know, to succeed. You know, and compete. And and what about that um, that year? You know, you're playing reserve grade, which you know you must have been excited about. But then to be told in the latter part of the year you're going to be playing first grade, what? Do you sort of vaguely remember your thoughts and, and how that game went? Yeah, I can, I can vividly remember my first game. Yep. It was against EPT, um, Pop Errington Park. Um, EPT were, along with Bulleye Workers, there were certainly the, 
the strong teams in the competition. Um, EPT used to have a lot of Italians in their team that used yep. to work for EPT Company. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and, and really, it was just great. I mean, I, I actually played against Bill Harley, and Bill Bill's a person that comes from a local area here, <laughs> and Bill was always built, you know, really a, a strong, solid, a strong, solid, solid person that. that Typical fullback that used to love picking up little wingers like myself <laughs> and just putting them over the sideline. But it was all in good fun. Yep. Um, people would knock you over, then pick you up. But just the experience of playing with, you know, Dookie Burns, who played for Australia, um, the Hughes brothers, Kevin, Harold and Ronnie. Yep. And I competed with Ronnie, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, Nolly Lowe, Cocky Morris, you know, Graham Funnel, um, so a yeah. lot of names that people know about. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're people that, that a lot of them came through Fernhill Juniors. Yeah. Um, yeah, Trap Nichols is another one. I played with some great sportsmen. And, and in terms of that game, um, and, and you spoke about Bill, Bill Harley before, um, so he literally did tackle you because Pop Arrington's, a, um, I guess, a, a smaller ground. So he did um, sort of knock you uh, out of out of the sideline or out of the field. Yeah, so Pop Arrington's you know fence, the perimeter, you know, is is not very far away from the sideline. And I do remember Bill picking me up and just putting me over the sideline and under the seating, <laughs> you know, right down where the the old canteen used to be yeah. on the entrance into Pop Arrington Park. And um, yeah, it was a funny sight. But I also remember. You know, Kevin Hughes standing over him saying, you leave the young fella alone. So that was the type of people that I played with and lucky enough to be associated with that actually looked after me as a young person, a more mature player. Um, and that was, that was just fabulous. And there was sort of, I guess, a, a form of instant and natural justice there that, you know, when things weren't right... It was sort of spoken about, or someone spoke to someone else. Yeah, well, they didn't need the referee in those days. Yep. I think Tommy Scott was a referee, and Tommy, you know, was a really good referee. You know, that allowed a little bit of, um, you know, by play to happen okay. within a game. You know, um, so you know that's how it was in those days. I mean, you're allowed to, um, you know, tackle a player, ball and all, and let someone know that they were in a ball game. Yeah. And in terms of that era as well, um, it's a bit different to the days now of uh, sports drinks and Powerade, but you were saying um, when we were sort of sort of teeing up this meeting that, you know, at a half-time sort of interval, you know, uh, the committee guys would, would come in and in their trench coats in the middle of winter and, you know, a, a couple of flasks would come out. So, so half-time was so much different to what I've been used to as a, a junior player. Yep. You know, half-time as a junior player, you know, some mum would cut up the oranges, yep. have them in a container, right, and and everyone would just be getting into oranges at half-time and see who can get as many as they could. <laughs> uh, at Pop Harrington Park, half-time, there would be a lady out of the canteen come up with a tray of cups of tea yep. with milking yep. that had just been made, and they would come in, give it to a committeeman, and everyone would be given a cup of tea. I don't think I even knew what a cup of tea was because I just drink water, yeah, um, or makeup drink. Um, but so I got a cup of tea, and then I saw 
you know, some of the, the committee people walking around before the coach would have his half-time talk. And I don't remember too many half-time talks, you know, from coaches, or especially Dookie Burns, yeah. because he had an expectation that people that he picked knew what to do. Yeah. Um, but the committee guys would come around and they would reach on the inside of their trench coats and pick out a flask and pour it into someone's cup of tea, whoever wanted it. And I asked, can I have some of that? And I was very quickly told by (laughs) this particular committeeman, it's not for young people, (laughs) right? So I just took it as not being, that wasn't for me. Well, it it does sort of speak to the era and, um, yeah, stuff like that sort of intrigues me anyway. Uh, So... Yeah, you had, what, another year or two there in terms of Fernhill Seniors, but also um, concurrently running alongside that, you still represented um, Illawarra at under-16s, and, and then you were fortunate enough with a couple of other local players to represent um, New South Wales um, at that age group and as well tour New Zealand. Yeah, so I, I was in the second year at Fernhill, um, when I was under 16, I was I was asked to go to some selection trials uh, within the Illawarra region, yep. then the country area. Uh, that, these were pretty involved, actually. I, yep. I don't think I'd ever ever been exposed to the um, the stringent selection process. There was there was probably about I think from from them we probably you know uh, went to three or four trials yep. before we actually finally gained selection. Um, yeah, so so we, we went through, and I think the the last couple of trials were at Wentworth Park. Um, you know, not on the main ground, but on the on yeah. the background there. Um, and and you know, Laurie Heggies, who was the, the the coach of the under sixteen side, along with some other people, selected the squad to go to New Zealand for a uh, uh, I think a fourteen day you know, um, tour. And and how was that experience for you as? You know, um, a 15-year-old, um, you must have been, I guess, A, stoked, and then to, I'm assuming it was the first time that you'd been overseas as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so so there, was, there was five other, you know, members of, um, of the Illawarra you know, area here that went with us, and, and I think the build-up to going to New Zealand was, was exceptional because we had to train in Sydney. Um, I remember... You know, Trevor Bradford was a very, really good friend of you know um, my family yeah. uh, as well as you know as well as some of the other guys. Um, but but I remember you know going up to Sydney with Mr and Mrs Bradford, you know through the week for training and then on the weekends and and it just built up a really good rapport. Yeah. Um, and certainly the people that were in that squad, quite a few of them went on to play state league yep. yeah, um, for a number of years. Um, when we came back, they built themselves back up. Uh, we actually end up playing third grade in most of our area clubs, etc. In the federation? And yeah, whatnot, yes. yeah. But, but the tour itself was just an absolute magical uh, experience. Never been overseas, never been on a plane um, you know, coaching, you know, a coach, you know, sort of going around and then being billeted out, you know, was another experience for me. Yep. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, just as a 16-year-old, or well, not quite 16, it was just fabulous. 
And in terms of um, sort of uh, playing colours, uh, before I talk about the colours of New South Wales, and I'm assuming what they were, but I'll let you tell me, what were the colours of Illawarra at that time when you were playing? Uh, like a sky blue and white. Yep. Uh, and, and surprisingly, the um, New South Wales colours were sky blue. Yep. All sky blue, no, okay. no whites, and, and red tracksuits. I'm not quite sure who made up those. Uh, so the New South Wales was the red tracksuits? Yeah, okay. yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, like you said about Laurie, um, who was a Hungarian international, who was later the St George first grade coach, there was also um, Bruce Pleasant and David Childs who were part of the uh, official touring party, weren't they? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce um, was heavily involved with uh, Illawarra soccer at that yep. time. He did become a life member, yeah, uh, later yep. on, but I think Bruce would have hold, held most... Uh, official positions. Uh, he, he was the actual manager. Uh, and David Childs, who was in Wollongong uh, for a lot, lot of that period, um, later got involved with Wollongong City, City. Um, when you know, both Balgowny and um, Safeway. Safeway folded. Yep. Um, but David was almost like the... Um, uh, enter- not entertainment, but the, the person who did all the PR... Yeah, yeah, public relations for the the actual tour itself. But he was just a great guy, you know. And so after that year, um, you were then um, again, you know, I think it was 69, you were selected to represent New South Wales under-18s and I guess you're still playing Fernhill Seniors at that point in time as well. Um, And and you went and and played a test series against Queensland with uh, Paul Landrigan and Steve Hudson. So what do you recall of that experience? Yeah, that was pretty quick. Um, you know, when I, when I look at the selection process for the under-16 side compared to the under-18 side, it was like almost like chalk and cheese. You know, the under-18 side was really a side that was picked yep. um, and slapped together pretty quickly, really didn't have too many training sessions. And, you know, the, the series against Queensland was a Saturday and a Sunday. OK. You know, so it really didn't... It, it, it was probably a bit of a letdown, yep. you know, from the previous year. Yep. Uh, but but Paul and Steve, you know, we've we've remained really good friends, you know, sort of yeah since those times anyway, you know. So that no, was really good. And in that year of '69, um, were you predominantly playing first grade at Fernhill? Yeah. As well. Yeah. And 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 then then we sort of moved into the South Coast United era. And is that because, uh, you know, um, a few of the players or South Coast United, which, like you said previously, you had first grade, a reserve grade and a third grade, and that's where in 1970 you moved into that um, third grade or did you move into the reserve grade? Well, I moved... I, I played uh, partly in third grade, right, most of the year. Yep. Uh, and then at the end of... Well, the start of the next season, actually in the pre-season, got an opportunity to play in some pre-season trials. Okay. But then played a little bit of you know, reserve grade, you know. But, so, but, but probably it was a funny era uh, yeah. at that time. Um, you know, South Coast United in those days um, certainly gave, you know, some younger players, you know, like a Gary Tuckerman as yeah. an example. You know, Dave Maguire as a, a goalkeeper. Um, but they bought a lot of... Um, English imports, yep. you know, out to Australia, uh, and and you were con- con- continually. Well, they actually didn't buy a lot of players, you know, from other state league clubs. There's more people 
like a Jerry Walker, a Norm Flanning, yep. and you know a Peter Wilson, and Adrian Olsen that actually did come to Australia, right? Trevor Birch was the person that arranged a lot of that. I'm pretty sure. Yep. You know, Trevor's, uh, Trevor Birch was was the um, you know was the secretary of the club, uh, and and they we, they've bought some great players out here, and some of the local boys have moulded in and around them and made very good players themselves. So with, um, I guess, you know, several years before that, you'd, you'd go with your family to watch them because they were the premier team in that sort of 60s era. And yeah. I think even in 69 won the, the league or the minor premiership. So um, was it a, when you first then made it into the South Coast setup? was it a pretty, um, pretty good feeling for yourself and the parents? I was all, certainly always an ambition. I was yep. lucky enough to to go to watch, um, you know, South Coast United beat Arpia yep. at the Sydney Sports Ground, you know, four one. And I went with my uncle, yep. uh, that my uncle Keith, um, at that time, uh, and we went on the bus, you know, the club bus. There was, and and it was just a great feeling. And, that, and my ambition was to actually play for South, yeah, to, because I'd watched experience. them, I'd been through. Um, yeah, I just love watching that sort of high standard of play. But then of a Saturday, I'd come back and watch Fernhill at Pop Harrington Park, you know, and it was a different level. Yep. But there was a lot of people, you know, that played local here that were also very, very skillful and talented. Well, like you said, you had uh, Dookie Burns, I guess, coaching and, and playing <coughs> coaching when yep. you were at Fernhill. So, mm. um, you know, Australian International, yep. playing in the league's not a bad thing. No, exactly, and and you, and you learn from those people, you know. Certainly, my turn, my time at Fernhill Seniors with the training and and the way that people went about their game, and and as I said earlier, I don't remember Dukey ever given a lot of instructions like like coaches do now. Yeah, you know, they almost sort of rave on for like half an like hour, manage, yeah. you know, and 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 it's like do this, do that, um, where people in those days would leave it up to the individual to make the right decision, you know, at, at that time. Yep. You know, um, yeah, no, I, I'd, I certainly had a, you know, a, a really good taste for playing at a higher level. And, and what about when you're, you're there at South Coast? You know, you sort of um, were coached by Wally Miller and then um, by Phil Carr and Norm Flanagan. So what do you recall of those guys in terms of, I guess the games you played and and the coaching from those guys. Wally Wally was my f- very first coach um, at, at um, South Coast United. Yeah. Uh, and I, I to this day I, I still think that Wally was one of the better coaches I played under. He gave you freedom to to play, you know, with your own natural flair. Yep. Um, but certainly would bring you back into line when you weren't contributing to the team. Uh, loved it with Wally, absolutely loved it. I actually played with Phil and Norm. You know, yeah, they didn't actually coach, but um, you know, played a lot with both them. Yeah. Um, Norm, I played with both Norm and I were always in the squad, the first grade squad together. Yeah. Um, but I, but Phil was at the end of his career, yeah. and I played you know in in reserve grade with Phil uh, and won the minor premiership. And Norm was part of that that squad as well. Um, yeah, you know, that was a really interesting because that was almost at the end of the South Coast United, you know, time. Yeah, and so 
is there any sort of um, before we get to the seventy one season, which we you sort of progressed into that first grade squad um, officially? Um, that minor premiership um, was it still seen, even though it was reserve grade, as a as a as a great achievement for the club? I certainly was. I mean, um, if you look at beating teams like Kokoa, Arpia Leichhardt, or yeah. Arpia at that time, they yeah. weren't Arpia Leichhardt, um, they had ex-internationals. You know, Johnny Watkins, you know, um, now at Arpia, you had uh, Filippo, Patalico. Yeah. I mean, they were very, very... You know, Stan Ackley was playing, I think, in Some reserve. You know, they, they were internationals that had played for Australia, and they were at the end of the career like Phil was. Yep. Uh, but for someone like myself to play, and I remember some of those players in Arpia were the ones that I'd watched that got beat 4-1 by South Coast United, you know, uh, when Kelly was playing and, you know, Graham Barnett and players like that. So it, it was it was um, pretty uplifting for a young person, you know, that was sort of starting their career, you know. And in terms of um, the, at that point in time, what were the, the South Coast colour of their shirts? Uh, predominantly red with black yep. shorts. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, and, and red socks as yeah, well. Yeah, just red socks, yeah. Not not classy at all. Yep. Right, pretty plain. Um, that, <laughs> and did it have the um, SCU as Yeah, I'm pretty sure still? it did. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and in terms of, um, uh, I guess, the facilities, you were at Balls, Balls Paddock. Um, but did you go um, at that point in time? Did, was the the club running at that time? The Winona Bulleye Club running, or and is that where you drink after the games? Yeah, the Winona Bulleye Sports Club. You know, just across the road. Um, yeah. Had many a uh, afternoon, late later <laughs> night in those days. But that was, um, you know, Balls Paddock. You know, in those days, I mean, they've, they've had nine thousand people there. You know, yeah. to to games so. You know, it didn't, you know you, it didn't take that many people because, once again, the, 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 the stands or the, the seating was very close to the ground. You yep. could almost touch a player as they were taking a throw in. Um, yeah, so it didn't take a lot of people, you know, to make an atmosphere, you know. And, and some of the, uh, the clubs, like Mar- Maluda Eagles, Auburn, yep. you know. great followings. With yeah, them. Prague, I mean, Hellenic, I mean... The, yeah, Hakoa, yeah. So, I mean, they all had really good following, you know, and people would travel from Sydney and local people here would follow, you know, follow them. So, so you know, it was a lot... It was very much ethnic-based, yep. you know, in those days and didn't change until many, many years later, you know, when they um, s- sort of stopped it. But, yeah, it, it was it was always great, yeah. And, and in terms of um, the, the change sheds, they were... Um, on the back of the, the the hotel were they and up the up the up the climb yep yeah which was enclosed you know because yep. of a few a few uh, incidents over time yep. um, yeah no no that and then as you say that just backed on to you know the Winona Hotel there I can't remember what it's called now you know, yep. in those days but um, yeah so and so seventy one was a, a a pretty important season for you under Jim Harris because you started the um, the pre-season off in first grade so I guess I'll let you take it on there in terms of the players you're playing with and sort of what transpired in that season. Yeah so so 71 I was hoping was going to be my breakout year Um, you know sort of yeah got the opportunity to to be involved with 
the Ampol Cup pre-season at those days and also play against Balgowney, yeah. um, you know, which, which was always a, a pre-season trial that, that was arranged that was either played at you know, Balgowney Oval or at oh, Balls Paddock on alternate years. Um, yeah, there was people like, you know, people in the team with George Ramage, Gary Tuckerman, Peter yeah. Wilson, you know, Pete, you know, uh, that stage, Maxie Tolson, Jerry Walker, Norm Flanagan, and, you know, there was a, a host of other guys that were also, you know, um, you know sort of in that, that squad at the time. But that was really my... I was hoping to be my breakout year. And, and, and I thought that through the pre-season I did... Uh, yeah, pretty well. Yeah, sort of setting up a lot of opportunities, playing on the right wing. Yep. Um, were they all taken? No, they weren't. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, eventually I got some games in, but nev- it never probably flowed on as well as what I would have hoped. You know. And in terms of um, Jim Harris as a coach, because um, he was a former player at South Coast United, how how was he as a coach? Uh, Jim, Jim, uh, very hard-nosed, you know, coach. Um, yep. Like to just see people do a lot of running. You know, uh, our pre-season would be a road run from Balls Paddock up to Bulleye, down the back, down to um, Nicholson Park. Yep. We would train down at Nicholson Park, and then you'd road run. Yeah, but but it was a lot of running. We'd run, road run all the way back the same, back to the home home base. And you do that three days a week. Wow. We'd train Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you'd play on the weekends. On the Sunday. Um, yeah. But um, Jim was very, very astute. Yep. Um, he, knew, he knew his players very well. He knew his opposition. He could read the game very well. He could make the right adjustments. Um, and, but he, he was a, he was a hard nose. He 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 expected his pound of flesh out here. So was he a bit more, uh, I guess, talkative at a, at a before the game and halftime, unlike Dookie Burns. It was probably more about um, halftime, yep. right when the game was in action. Yep. Men a few words before that. Yep. Men a few words after that. Okay. But but at halftime was always very very astute about what he wanted changed so it wasn't a sort of uh too much sort of increase in volume or aggression but you definitely got instructions about what needed to change or what you needed to do you certainly knew when he wasn't happy <laughs> right because he almost went red in the face okay you know being english background it didn't take much for for jim to to change color from white yep. to red and you knew that he wasn't happy so you needed to do something about it and, and so you were in and out of the team during that year. Yeah. So what was it? Um, what was it for yourself to play with the likes of Max Tolson and, and Peter Wilson and, and George Ramage? They're sort of you know they're some of the names that people talk about still today. Oh, George Ramage was a great goalkeeper. I've never yeah. seen a person that used to spread himself so big. And, yeah. and you know people talk about and coaching goalkeepers. You talk about. You know, spread yourself big, make yep. yourself look big. Uh, there certainly wasn't any bigger goalkeeper in the league than George Remage. You know, his hands. You know, he just he he, he was enormous. He 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 was a game changer for South Coast United, who had had some very very good goalkeepers yep. uh, in reflexes, etc. But no way, I don't think anyone had the command of the 18-yard box like George Remage. 
And, and what about uh, Wilson? How, how uh, was Pe- he as a, a player and a teammate? Um, Pe- Peter was a, a, a very laid-back person, used to yep. like his motorbike, um, yep. but, but certainly on the paddock could play. He, yep. um, he, w- he was just a totally dedicated person you know, to the game, to his team. Later on in Safeway, coached. Yep. Um, but, but Peter could actually... He, along with the likes of Shea Gleeson... Um, changed how um, you know South Coast South Coast United in my eyes was perceived by opposing attacking sides. Yep. You know, probably two of the best you know defenders. Um, yeah, how Shea Gleeson never ever played for Australia, I, I'll never ever know because I still think he is one of the best players to ever play for. So he was you know, up the there club. with Wilson. Oh, in most your most definitely. Peter, Peter was a different player. Yep. Um, than, than what Shea was. Um, but, but both very, very talented uh, players. And people like Gary Tuckerman, Ian Cuthbert's another yep. you know, fabulous player that played through that era as well. You know, when Gary finished playing, Ian Cuthbert, you know, that, that, both very fast, very skillful. Um, yeah. And Max Tolson, well, well, people know what Max was about. I mean, he was just one of the best, you know, target men, you know, in the league. Um, if... if Max had a probably played AFL, he yep. would have been an exceptional person because there wasn't too many players at that time could actually, uh, s- certainly in the high balls, could get up and hover in the air and still have power in their header at the end of the day. And hard-nosed. He, he, um, he loved the contest. So the harder you hit, the better he liked it because he knew he could hit you back and, and get, get his return. And yourself, you, that season, like you said, you were probably in and out of out of the first grade, but um, had a had a serious knee injury. So, so personally, how did you take that in terms of um, you sort of aspired for a long time to to get to this point, and then this knee injury came along. Yeah, and and I guess in hindsight, you know, at the time when this occurred, there was no arthroscope. Um, you know, if it had been an easy. Fix. I probably would have been in the hospital, like in yep. in the current era. Um, you would have been fixed. You would have had a little bit of time off, and you would have been back into it. Um, when you had knee injuries in those days, it took you forever to get in to see a specialist. Yep. Now, by the time you get in to see a specialist, the specialist would say, you know, because uh, there was no mechanism to say, you know, what it was or how bad it was. They would just say, go to rehab and then go back to play when it's right. <clears throat> Unfortunately for me, every time I went to rehab, I went back and played. I obviously was tearing my cartilage you know, more until it got to the point where I needed to have surgery, um, went in to have um, a private hospital in Market Square, yeah. you know, where the car park is now. That's yeah, where yeah, the yeah. hospital used to be, an old house. Went in there, had a, an, an operation on my inside cartilage and they found that the outside cartilage was torn. So I had both cartilages removed in the same operation. Um, yeah, that was, that was hard. Um, you know, it was hard because it was just rehab for a long, long period of time. But during that period, I got to see Zach Priscillis's goal at Pop Errington Park, right? I was, during my rehab phase, I was doing a bit of work for the Illawarra referees and... Yep. I was actually on the line um, yep. for my brother-in-law, I think, yeah, um, and I was there the day that Zach actually scored with his drop punt 
now against Warilla Wanderers. So the, for the people that aren't aware, Zach was a goalkeeper. For Fernhill. For Fernhill and um, scored from his own, what's roughly six yard box? Well, I think that he was probably somewhere between six and six in the penalty spot when yeah. he dropped it. He used to drop the ball, uh, throw the ball high, but his connection was only just above the ground and, yeah. and he gained enormous power um, you know, from the way that he sort of uh, cleared the ball. And um, I remember, I remember being on halfway, and, and my knee still wasn't right. But you know, being, being like myself, I, I wanted to get out there and do something. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, running up the field because I thought, oh shit, this is this is <laughs> going way because I came up with the last line of defence, and the ball's gone way over, and it's bounced just out on 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 the full, just outside the 18. And the Warilla Wanderers goalkeeper has come out and realised that, oh, shit, I can't go outside the 18. <laughs> the ball's gone over his head into the net. And, and I guess um, at that time, Warilla had a, a fairly decent following, so they, that would have been quiet there at Pop Arrington? Yes, the, uh, the Spanish connection of Warilla Wanderers was, was lined up around Pop Arrington Park. Yeah, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't get well received, put it that way. And, and is this this point of time where... Um, with your with your dad's help, that in in seventy two, because your knee was still in, you were convalescing there and getting a better. That you then um, uh, started coaching, and that was your sort of first official foray into coaching. Yeah, I I, um, I I thought I wanted to put something back into it. Yep. You know, my younger brothers were coming through South Coast United. Uh, David, my younger brother, middle brother, was was actually ready to come into third grade. Yep. And I sort of said to Dad, I said, oh, how about I apply for it, you know? Um, yeah. While I'm not playing, I'll, I'll um, see what coaching's about, you know? Um, having done a little bit, you know, with yeah. Dad's teams, yeah. um, and, you know, the committee actually appointed me as one of the youngest third-grade coaches in, in the State League. So that was, that was quite interesting. So, um, and the guys on the committee at the time, you spoke about uh, Travis Birch and, and whatnot. Who else was on the committee? Um, uh, Peter Hilton, you know, um, uh, Desi Scott, I'm not Des Scott, uh, Andy Scott. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And so because you had that connection of being a player there, it wasn't too uh, sort of... Uh, frightening for you to go in and, and sort of apply and have a chat to them about the position? Well, I, I felt confident enough to be able to put my case forward to say, yep. you're looking for someone, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested enough while I'm recovering and then hopefully I get back playing the next year. Yep. So it was always going to be a one-season yep. opportunity. Um, but certainly they were looking for someone. I can't remember the circumstances of why they were looking you know, what, why they sort of, I guess, considered me versus chase yeah. someone else. Um, but, yeah, um, it worked out for me. It gave me the opportunity to actually go and talk to people that weren't much younger than what I was yeah. about would they like to come and, and, and play. Yeah, um, yeah I, re- I remember getting some knockbacks and some other people. Oh, yeah, but my mate said he'd like to come along too. OK, we'll bring him along and we'll... We'll see how he goes. So, yeah, it was all a, a great experience, you know. And what do you remember of that season in terms of um, how you went as a coach and, and the players that you brought through? 
Well, I remember, um, you know, some of the, you know, Gordy McLeod. You know, Gordy yeah. McLeod is a Illawarra legend. In um, terms of basketball and the Hawks? Yeah, well, 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 Gordy was also a very, very good wicketkeeper, you know, yeah. playing for Kira first grade. So he was already a more mature, you know, person, you know. Yeah. Um, you talk about all-round sports, you know, people playing A-grade basketball, you know, before he's 16, playing first-grade cricket for Kira and then also, you know, ready to be in the New South Wales Shield squad, you know, for, for cricket. And, you know, and Gordy was quite quick yep. and very elusive. And, you know, I, I actually said, why don't you come? You know, and he did. And he, he was probably the standout. You know, people were looking at him by the end of the year, you know, saying, I think this boy is going to be first grade material. But unfortunately, like most good sportsman like an old Spencer, yeah. you know, who had to make the decision between cricket and yeah. soccer. Um, you know, he chose soccer and that was great because that turned out really well. Gordy decided not even to go to cricket, you know. He still yeah. played cricket, but basketball was going to be, you know, his, um, his claim to fame and, mate, the guy played for Australia, he's coached, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, he's made the right decision the same as what Noel did. And, and what about um, Brian Dodd? Well, Brian, Brian was the same age as my youngest brother, Harold. Yep. Uh, he was the next year coming through. I actually didn't... I coached Brian as a 13-year, as a 14-year-old, okay. uh, but I watched him when Harold came in and I was playing, you know, back playing reserve grade at that stage, you know. So how was that? Because um, you said um, there was a bit of a family connection there in terms of your dad helping you out and then your middle brother playing, so... Um, was it pretty fulfilling that way that you look back on it now saying, well, started my coaching career, but I got to sort of spend some quality time and interaction football-wise with my family? Well, I think we always have. And if you go back to our earlier days with Fernhill Juniors, yep. if it was one in, it was all in. So nothing changed when we actually went into rep soccer. Just different positions. You know, even in rep soccer, you know, Harold... David and myself all represented. You know, Harold might have been under eights, Dave might have been under tens, so I was under twelves. Yeah. You because know, that was the age gap between us. So, you know, we we it's almost been one in all in. You know, one goes, we all go. So, you know, me coaching Dave was really a no brainer for, yep. for me. Um, it was he he you know, he's always been accepting of me. You know, and he was a good player too. My pop always said he thought my brother Dave was the best, you know, player yeah, out of the three of us, but he was just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and pop knew his players too, so, you know. Well, it is here where we will stop in part one of episode 32. Please download part two of episode 32 as Gary Gus Masters continues to speak about his soccer journey. I sincerely appreciate and respect Gus for the time he gave me. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 